Good morning, and thank you for that welcome. Karen and I feel very honored to be a part of this transition time at Chihuahua Evangelical Free Church. And in keeping with this time of transition, I would like to start with a message called New Beginnings. Most of us are not entirely comfortable with change and the unknown. We don't want things to change too much from what is familiar. We long for predictability, and yet at the same time, we're not content with how certain things are. We have also expectations about life, including expectations about new beginnings. We are disappointed when our expectations are not met. But there is a strong correlation between good mental health and expectations that match reality. So a key question for you this morning is, will this next season at Chihuahua Evangelical Free Church fit your expectations? We're going to be looking in Ezra chapter 3 at how the remnant of Israel dealt with change and a new beginning. But some background information first in Ezra chapter 1, verse 2. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Now Cyrus had read the prophecy of Isaiah 150 years earlier from Isaiah chapter 44, 28 and 45, 1, that named him by name as the person who would overthrow Babylon. And so he was very anxious to fulfill God's prophecy and release the people to return to their land in Judea and Jerusalem. So 50,000 Jews agreed to leave their lives in Babylon, which is the province where they were still living, and they would risk a dangerous and difficult journey across the desert to return and rebuild their land. But it wasn't the same land some had known 50 years earlier. It was now a land devastated by war. The city walls were torn down, the temple was destroyed, Hostile neighbors respond with suspicion and violence. A pretty tough new beginning. So let's skip now to Ezra 3, chapter 1. I'm sorry, verse 1. It said, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. And then in verse 8, the rest of the people began the work. They did it together. In the face of difficult new beginnings, unity is essential because of enemies within and without. A significant work for God is the work of many working together in harmony. Jesus' final prayer in John chapter 20 was for oneness. It was for unity above all other things. So if the workers were to start venting their frustrations because of issues they felt had not been properly addressed, then divisions would form. Gossip and false rumors would spread when people listened to the disgruntled and stopped seeing what God is doing in, right now in their midst. So the first point on your outline is to begin again with unity. So how will you contribute to the unity of the body at Chihuahua Evangelical Free Church? These next transition months are a time for you to let God speak into your personal life and our corporate church life. Will you take time to listen in extended prayer for God's leading to show you what he wants to do next? It's going to take time and prayer. And that's the backbone and foundation and heart of what we will be doing. Now, there are actually 
some five phases and stages I'm going to refer to in a few minutes. But the initial phase of an interim period is an interviewing of those involved in the ministry of the church to celebrate what God has done and discover God's next calling for this church, God's next season. It's natural to have some different emotions swirling around, grieving for a beloved pastor and wife who's been very strategic in this church in, in building a building and building a extension and a new wing on the building to see the huge growth in the church. So you also will have to deal with the, the grief and the feelings of loss that you have and the stages of grief that you may even be going through. But you also may have an emotion about what's going on now. What, what, there are questions. There's uncertainties. And then there's fear of an uncharted future. British author Joseph Addison writes, Our real blessings often appear to us in the shape of pains, losses, and disappointments. But it's important above all else to guard unity during this time. Well, moving on in Ezra 3, verse 2. Then Yeshua, your Bible may say Joshua, but the Hebrew word is Yeshua, and his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel's the civil leader, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses. In verse 3, despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord both the morning and evening sacrifices. It was a time for a new beginning for them. The first thing the leaders did when they saw the pile of rubble where the temple once stood was to rebuild the altar. They rebuilt this altar even before starting to rebuild the temple. Why? Because worship is always the beginning point. Out of the rubble of their past disobedience, offering sacrifices first was saying, Lord, we want to be right with you. And this visible image of an altar would fill them with hope that God is still with them. So in spite of threatening circumstances and these hostile neighbors, they worshiped God openly. Before beginning activities, they renewed relationship with God in the new season. See, activities flow out of relationship. They flow out of worship. Now, you may feel that finding a new pastor as soon as possible is the first priority, but seeking God and his kingdom is the first priority to discover what God wants for this next season of ministry at Chihuahua Evangelical Free Church. Then, after we go through this time of transition, we find a pastor who fits that calling. So in your bulletin, you'll see a handout that has five stages or five phases of interim ministry. As I mentioned, the first stage or the first phase is to meet with those involved in church ministries, to hear their heart for where the church has been and where they feel the church might want to go as they pray through God's will and to try to find out what he wants. The second phase is to assess the state of the church historically and presently. And from that, phase three is to address issues to facilitate fruitful ministry. Phase four is to refine a vision that reflects core values and begin a strategic plan. Now, that might be a tentative strategic plan as the new person is coming will have some ideas, 
But what you num number five phase want to do is to empower the search team to find the pastor with the best fit of these core values and strategic plan who will join you in what you are doing and be a part of that and bring new ideas so it's a team effort, not sitting and waiting for the next person and come to show you what the next direction is going to be. So those are five stages of an interim ministry. But underneath it all is that relationship with God, that time of prayer that we spend individually and corporately to discern what God wants. Well, going back to Ezra chapter 3, verse 4, and then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles in late September looks back at Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. It was God's yearly reminder that though their lives can be bleak and uncertain, though they're living in a wilderness, and they remember that with a one-week camp out every year, but they are reminded that God is still their sustainer. God calls us to worship him in the midst of fear and uncertainty. So don't resist these times and don't resent these times. Rather, be renewed during this time of transition, this time where we don't know exactly what God's future is going to be, but we know him and we're safe in his hands. So point number two on your outline, begin again with worship. First, we begin again with unity, and now we also begin again with worship. The people were fearful and fragile, yet they were still faithful. So do you believe God is still with Chawila Church? Is he still with us in the midst of the unknowns? We need a new beginning with God. God disrupts our settled world to get our attention. He wants to do a new thing in this church, just as he always has done new things in his ever-expanding kingdom. Isaiah 43:19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What new thing does God want to do with you? What change in your attitude and your commitments does God want to make? What new things does God want to do with Chewila Church? What changes of attitudes and commitments does he want to make in our church? These are questions we will be exploring as a part of this interim process. Well, moving on to our third section in Ezra 3, verse 7. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so they would be bring excuse me, cedar logs by sea. Building God's house requires investing our resources. These people had just returned to the land, which meant giving up their source of income in Babylon, in that province. And, it, and then they took a four-month trek to a land that had no crops waiting to be harvested, no jobs, no economy. Most of these refugees were not wealthy. They'd been 50 to 70 years in captivity and exile. But when they saw the house of God was a pile of rubble, they gave from their resources. They gave money, they gave food, they gave drink, and they gave oil for the labor and the materials to rebuild the temple. And they gave their service. Leaders and people began to lay a new foundation of the temple with a massive cleanup effort of Solomon's grand temple that had been built almost 500 years earlier 
in the mid-900s BC. They found a city of rubble, piles of smashed rocks, pieces of burned wood, weeds growing up amid the debris. Nothing looked like a temple. So the number three point on your outline, begin again with serving. We begin again with unity. We begin again with worship. And we also begin again with serving. Serving. So how does God want you to be involved in these coming months? Don't let uncertainty keep you from doing what God is calling you to do. If you can't see 10 steps into the future, then take the next step in front of you. It's better to begin small with God than not to begin at all. And it's better to do a little than to sit dreaming about doing a lot. Church ministry does not function well when only a handful of leaders and people do the heavy lifting. So how does God want you involved in these coming months? What is he calling you to do? Well, Ezra chapter 3, verse 10 begins our final and fourth section. Beginning in verse 10, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, with praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. This incredible scene of praise and thanksgiving fulfills the prophecy in Jeremiah 33, verse 10 and 11, decades earlier. God had orchestrated the promised new beginning that he had given Jeremiah. And God had not left them alone. He has not left us alone. And so they use these very same words out of Jeremiah about God is good, his love endures forever. And so there was a great shout of praise in that time. Now notice the loud expression. It's an outward expression of emotion of their praise. When we focus on our great, powerful, faithful, loving God, it should affect our hearts, not only our heads. Faith is not just an intellectual understanding. See, we are more than our knowledge of doctrine. We are more than just right outward behaviors. We involve our entire person, our whole heart, including our emotions. We are in relationship with God who lives in us, and he wants all of us. Moving on, verse 12 of Ezra 3. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish, in verse 13, the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Now the young people are thrilled as they saw the foundation of the temple laid. All they had ever known was Babylon, because that's who had taken them off into captivity, Babylon. Their foreign policy was exile. And so they had to live in Babylon and its temple for idols. But here they are now, back in the land of promise, in the city of God's choosing. And the foundation for the Lord's house has been laid. No more idolatry. It's God's temple in God's city. It was a new beginning and they're excited. But 50 years earlier, some who were still alive at that time had seen Solomon's temple before it was destroyed. And they remembered what it was like. To these folks, 
the small foundation that they were now laying is nothing compared to the glory of the former temple of Solomon. Solomon's temple was larger. It was so much more grand. It was overlaid with gold and silver and decorated with countless gemstones. And moreover, Solomon's temple contained the sacred artifacts of their heritage, the Ark of the Covenant, Aaron's budding rod, a jar of manna, Urim and Thummim, and God's very own Shekinah glory had been there. And so they're thinking, how can this new, smaller, less grand temple ever compare to what God had given us for all of those 500 years? So this temple that Zerubbabel is is laying down would be completed about 15 years later in 516 BC. Herod the Great would start remodeling the temple in 19 BC. And this temple would be the temple where Jesus would walk, where Jesus would minister, and where Jesus would bring the greater glory. And this temple that they are now laying the foundation for would last for 585 years. It would last longer than Solomon's temple until it was destroyed by the Roman general Titus in 70 AD in yet another time of judgment on Israel. But at the laying of this foundation now, there were cheers and tears. There was happiness and sadness. And while the young men looked ahead and rejoiced, the old looked back and wept. Now the older could discourage the younger from this new beginning. And though this new beginning didn't match the former glory, this was where God was now working. Be careful not to concentrate too much on the past, lest you rob yourself of God's future. See, the past can be a rudder that guides, or it can be an anchor that drags. The older need the enthusiasm and energy and joy of the younger, and the younger need the wisdom, maturity, and experience of the older. So our fourth and final point, begin again with hope. So unity, worship, serving, and finally, hope. Yield your memories and your expectations to the Lord. Was your past better and happier? Yield it to the Lord. Was your past filled with sadness and pain? Give that to the Lord too and hold on to hope. If things aren't what you wish they were, roll up your sleeves anyway and get involved. Say to the Lord, Lord, you are God of yesterday, God of today, and God of tomorrow. I yield them all to you so that I may live for your glory right now. Join God in what he is doing now. Embrace his new beginning with hope. So are you ready to seek God? Are you ready to make some adjustments in in your attitudes and your actions and start the new beginning that God is calling you to? Let's close in prayer as we get ready for a time of communion. Lord God, we thank you for this new beginning. We thank you for the past for the pastors who have come before, for Pastor um, Dan and Ginger. And we thank you, God, that you are still with us, that you have not left us. And we are excited about the future. So open our eyes to what you want for each of us individually and for this church corporately. May we hear your voice. May we discern what you want to do, what things that might need to be changed 
And so help us to embrace you as we embrace and walk into your future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.